I want to talk for a minute about things that either get preserved or get used up. So, uh, and, and I'm going to give my two ideas and then I look forward to uh, your ideas. Um, whether in the room or online, you can chat. Um, but what are some things that are meant to be preserved, right? These are things to be protected so they last as long as possible. So I give an example of precious photos. Um, I'm of the generation that has physical photos that says we want to hold on to these. Now we just want to make sure that the cloud doesn't crash and something get washed away. But nevertheless, there's some things like precious photos. We say, I want to make sure these are not lost. And every now and then, I, I, I've known the experience of saying, somebody's passed away and, oh, I wish we had better pictures, right? And we long for these and we can't get back to them. And so this idea of some things, we just want to preserve them. Some things are meant to be used up. And so here I give an example of soap, right? This is meant to be used and used up and get rid of it. It's not something we say, oh, let's hold on to this soap for a long time. Oh, don't get that soap dirty. We're trying to preserve it, right? So you get the idea. Some things are meant to be preserved and some things are meant to be used up. So what are some examples of things that are meant to be preserved? We want to keep them just as they are as long as possible. What are some examples? Art. Yeah, I love it. Right? These are things that we want to preserve. We don't want these things to get damaged or destroyed. Yeah, music. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Music is something we, we, we don't want it to be used up and gone. We want to preserve this and enjoy it and, and see the, the beauty in it. Other things. Relationships. Yeah, excellent. Boy, we got active online people today. This is great. Everybody in the room is just waiting to see what the other good ideas are that are coming. Good relationships. Yeah, we want to preserve these. Protect them from things that can bring harm. Peace. Peace. Yeah, yeah. Certainly want to preserve that. It's good. How about some things that are meant to be used up? Joy. Yeah, I love that. That's good. What are some things that are meant to be used up? It's not meant to be kept forever. You know, let's let's protect this. Let's save it. Let's just use it up. What are some things like that? Food. Ah, I like that. Toys. <laughs> it's good. Different people have different views of how toys should be uh, preserved or kept. Yeah. Someone else. Candles. Candles. Yeah. Yeah. Meant to be used up. And I just looked at, but money. Money. Yeah. Whatever others need. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So. Yeah, money, we do pretty well at using up the money. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Diapers. Diapers. Excellent. Yeah, they're not meant to be put on the shelf. No, look at that. Nice diaper. <laughs> Use them up. Anger. Ah, now there's one. I'm going to have to puzzle over that one. Yeah. Yeah. Something to move on from. What I want to think about today is which model better describes followers of Jesus Christ? Which model describes what it's like to be his follower and what's his intention with his followers? Um, And I'd like to pray, to just open our hearts to ask for the Holy Spirit's work. So, So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are all wise and you are all good. And we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us by the written word of the Bible. You've also revealed yourself to us most perfectly in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so today, these two come together as Jesus taught and as Jesus lived. So we ask 
that you would teach us today. Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts? Would you open our hearts to the words of Jesus? That he would be heard and that we would genuinely follow. We thank you that you will do that. It is our joy to be able to hear the voice of our God. And we ask that that voice would be known beyond, behind, and around mine. That what's me is forgotten and what is Jesus would be held up and would transform us to follow him fully. In his name we pray. Amen. The title today is Many Seeds, and we're in John 12. So today, uh, on Friday evening and next Sunday, we're going to be looking at uh, the account in the Gospel of John. Um, It's an amazing thing in the Gospel of John, from chapter 12 to chapter 20, a huge chunk of this book covers eight days. Uh, A whole bunch of the book is focused on this time. So today we're in chapter 12, uh, following on what Pedro read for us earlier. Uh, And so we're going to start at verse 20. Um, we'll talk about this drawing more, encourage you to have uh, the text in front of you, and uh, again, just the pointer that we'll have a conversation and application guide that comes out um, later, uh, hopefully on Tuesday, so that you can follow up in conversations with people and ideas of uh, other ideas of how to put these things into practice. Let me say a word about how Jesus saw, uh, people saw Jesus of Nazareth. So, obviously, his birth led up to Palm Sunday. And when people looked at Jesus, I think a lot of people looked at him and saw this is a trajectory of his movement from obscurity, from not being important, to being somebody that all of Jerusalem is excited that he's come on Palm Sunday and he's honored and people proclaim Hosanna. And it was an amazing journey. Now we know that the journey had a lot of ups and downs. right? But this was roughly the journey and many people that day expected that this would be the rest of the journey. That that this journey that came from his birth in obscurity up to the prominence of Palm Sunday, and it would continue on. And they say, this is fantastic. Praise God that the Messiah has come and he's going to reign. And yet, this isn't exactly how Jesus saw it. So here we are in John 12, starting at verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. So stop there for a second. Such an interesting thing. Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem in this prominence. And these Greeks come. And they want to meet Jesus. And... uh, Probably the way the, the New Testament was written, probably this is not the way we think of Greeks. So these were probably Gentiles. They weren't Jewish, but they weren't necessarily from Greece. The key thing is that they were part of a Greek-speaking world. Maybe they were from an area called Decapolis. And this is up. Jesus uh, grew up, spent so much of his time in Galilee, and just to the east of Galilee was this Gentile area called Decapolis, which was actually pretty close to Bethsaida. And so there's a chance, we don't know, but there's a chance that they actually knew Philip. Because there was exchange, even though it was a different province, nobody told them you can't cross between, and so there was probably some interaction. So there's a chance they knew Philip, or they knew he was from there, and his name was a Greek name. And yet what we see here is for some reason, 
there was this exciting development where there were Gentiles who were seeking Jesus. And it could be that some people would look at this and maybe Philip and Andrew thought, this is really cool. We we might be seeing Jesus grow in great popularity. He's come to Jerusalem and now even the Gentiles are trying to get to know him more. And it might have caused people to think this trajectory of Jesus is really happening. In reality, it prompted a really unexpected response from Jesus. And so we see that. Verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves, loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I'll stop there for a second. Such an amazing set of verses and rich things in here. Uh, Jesus says, the hour has come. The time has come. He said over and over again, now is not the hour. Now is not the time. And he says, now is the time. It's time for the Son of Man, meaning him, to be glorified. And, and, and we'll see today, there are multiple meanings. There are multiple meanings that come out of this. Um, but one of them that is clear is that Jesus says he's going to die. He says that that a kernel of wheat that doesn't die just stays as a single seed. He says, the hour has come for me to be glorified, and this will come through death. And that death is going to produce many seeds. Right? So he, 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 he says, this is going to be good, but it doesn't start out so good. And then he says, whoever serves me has got to follow me too. A very sobering message. And in fact, it's so surprising that Jesus says, my soul is troubled. He didn't look at this and say, okay, it's finally here. And yeah, I know it's not going to be great, but you know, it's kind of like going into a, a big sports game. And you, you know, you've been working at this and you're getting ready. And okay, now the adventure is here. He says, this is going to be tough. In fact, he says, there is a temptation that says, God, could we avoid this? Could we get around this? He says, no, I realize this is what my life is about. And so he says, Father, glorify your name. See, Jesus saw before himself, I think, two paths. Right? The one path says, I could avoid this. I could ask God and, and have angels come and I wouldn't have to go through this coming week. Or the other path is to say, Father, I'll do what you ask, that your name would be glorified. And Jesus said, that's what my life is all about. My life is all about the Father being glorified. And if that includes my death, then I'm ready for it, even though he was troubled. So he expressed this. And, and I'm sure people were already in shock, but then the next, next uh, phrase, middle of verse 28, then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, 
This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus is is troubled and he says, okay, I'm going to follow my father, that he would be glorified. And then God speaks. And this great irony, people don't understand the voice. And Jesus says, well, actually, it was for your benefit. So what was that benefit? Well, they knew that God the Father, that, that there was this voice from heaven. So they didn't realize it was God the Father. They say something is at work. The supernatural world is endorsing what's happening here. And Jesus tells us that the Father says, yes, this is the work that I am doing in your life to glorify my name. And Jesus said so clearly, when I am lifted up from the earth, saying he's going to die by crucifixion crucifixion within a week, he says, when that happens, I'm going to draw people from all places to myself. So here we get to see this glorification because this phrase, when I am lifted up, does have two meanings. The one meaning is, it will be death on a cross by God's plan. He will literally be lifted up and and hung to die, to be cursed, to be mocked. And he will be lifted up, to be exalted in heaven by God's hand. The time had come, Jesus said, for him to be glorified, to bring glory to the Father. And yet, this was so puzzling to people. Right, verse 34, the crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. While you have the light before darkness, a walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. When Jesus described this to the crowd, they said, this doesn't make sense. You're supposed to be on this upward trajectory of things getting better and better. And so they say, we're not even sure we understand anymore. Who is this son of man? Because we thought it was you. But we don't think this makes sense what you've described. And Jesus says to them, you've got a period of time to figure this out. While you have the light, walk in it. Listen, pay attention, because there will be a time of darkness that comes. And this invitation, will you become children of light? So I go back to my my chart of what I think people's expectations were. Right? They thought Jesus went from obscurity and birth to Palm Sunday when, when everybody's praising him to pretty soon he's going to be ruling and, and he will be exalted by God. And Jesus says, no, actually, what comes next is my death. And not just any death, but a horrible death. He says, that's what comes next. And the people said, what? This doesn't fit. This isn't how it's supposed to work. And they say, so who is this? Who are you and what's the Messiah all about? This doesn't make sense to us. And and Jesus clearly shows that, yes, after the crucifixion, there is a path to being exalted, to to being praised. But that's on the other side of the cross, not before it. 
And people were confused. And I think this is such an interesting way for Jesus to spend the day when he's brought into Jerusalem in the midst of praise. And, and when we look at this passage, right, we started out with the non-Jewish people. They wanted to see Jesus. And boy, with Palm Sunday, it seemed like everything's going Jesus' way. This is beautiful. And I think people were expecting increasing glory in the simple sense of that term. And Jesus said, no, actually, the time has come for me to go to death. He said that, and then God confirmed Jesus' word and plan and says, yes, you understand it. This is the path that you're on. And the people were perplexed. And so Jesus explained God's plan. He says, glorifying God requires death to self. I have to die. I have to say he's first. And, he says, this path actually is the road to life in Christ. But death didn't fit their plans for the Messiah. That's not what they were looking for. That's not how this is supposed to go. And the reality is, for God's people, death to self doesn't generally fit our plan. It's not what we're looking for. It's not what we expect. What we see in Jesus and what he teaches is that the Son of God's identity is essence. This is what he's all about. The Son of God, his purpose is to glorify the Father above all else including his own life. I will glorify the Father, and he has total authority, and if he says the path is to die, I will die. Because that is to glorify the Father, to do exactly what he says. So, uh, what should we do with uh, wheat seeds? So here we get to the drawings. Um, Here's one of the things that we might choose to do with wheat. And put it in a display case and say, oh, isn't that beautiful wheat? Isn't that wonderful? Let's protect it. Should, should we try to protect and keep them? No, it's not going to help us much. Uh, maybe we'll put it on a plate and say, Let, let's carefully eat some of this, but not too fast. And let's just have a little bit at a time so we don't use it all up at once. Right? In reality, what do we do with wheat seeds? We bury them. Right? Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So what did Jesus do with his life? He didn't try to protect it. He didn't try to keep it. He didn't say, no, 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 wait, you shouldn't treat me that way. And you need to realize I am the son of God. I have authority. Silently, he went. He didn't try to use up his life cautiously and carefully and say, well, 33 years, that's not long enough. So this is too quick, God. Let's spread this out so more good can be done. Jesus... Let his life be taken. He laid it down. He he let it be buried. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And a beautiful thing with Gentiles coming to Jesus is the explosion in the early church when the Holy Spirit was given of the Gentiles coming to faith. Not just a couple of people, but thousands of people. After Jesus had died, and then gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, what do we do with our lives? right? And, and the great temptation is, put our life in a display case to, to try to protect it. But you know what? The life in a display case still dies. And often that happens alone. right? If we spend our lives trying to defend our lives, we're guaranteed to lose it. Apart from God, there is nothing good. And when we put our life in a display case... Not necessarily to to have people see it, but to protect it from what could harm it. Often we're cut off from God himself. 
because we're not in the path he's called us to. Sometimes we hope to give it away in pieces just so I I don't lose it all at once. But Jesus says, unless it really dies, it's not going to bear fruit. And we're still going to die. We think we can defend it. And so Jesus says, here's the path. That's the path for me and the path for you. And that is, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus taught for himself the Son of God's identity, his essence. What he is all about is to glorify the Father above all else, including above his own life. And he says, this is what it means to follow me. To follow me is that your identity, your essence as someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, is to glorify the Father above all else, including our own lives. And he says when we do this, this brings great fruit. He says, this is the path for me, and this is the path I invite you into as well. It's a path of dying to self, to glorify the Father, and to have great fruitfulness. Right? And so the application is two things today. The first is, we rejoice in the surprising glory of our Savior. Right? This is somebody who didn't try to protect his own life. He didn't try to give it away in small pieces so that he could extend his life. He gave up his whole life to save us. So a famous passage that so wonderfully expresses how Jesus was glorified. Philippians 2. This is how Jesus is glorified, part 1. Being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In his crucifixion, we see his glory because he said, I will submit to the Father, I will follow follow the Father even to death itself. I will give up what is mine out of love for him and out of love for people. He is an amazing hero, an amazing savior. That's how he is glorified first in his suffering. And then also he is glorified in being exalted. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Having given up his life, he now is exalted to the highest place. Right, so we rejoice in this, this surprising glory, this amazing glory of our Savior. He is amazing as a Savior, being in very nature of God, being God himself, the one who created all that is, who is perfect in his goodness and his power and his knowledge. He made himself nothing to rescue us and to love us. He made himself nothing. The greatest made himself as one who was even offensive to the Father. Not because he'd done anything wrong, but because he took our trouble on himself. He made himself nothing to rescue us. And now the Father has raised him to the highest place. And he did that so he can welcome us to be with him forever. This is amazing. People need to know this. We have an amazing Savior. And he's not just a generic Savior. He is the one who knows you. And who loves you. Who has a heart for you. Who knows all the hairs on your head. Who who knows all that you struggle with. He knows your heart. And he still loves you. 
And he says, I want you to be with me forever. So I did all this. I emptied myself so that you could be with me. And, and if he's for us, who could be against us? This one who has such power. We rejoice in the surprising glory of the Savior. And so then the question is, will you follow? Will he follow? It's what Jesus said, right? So our second application is to follow Jesus. He says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. What Jesus says is, as he did, we are to choose glory, God's glory, before our own lives. To say, glorify your name, Father. Not me, not about what, what I need, but would you be glorified? This is important learning for the, me this week. Um, I, I sometimes, uh, I, it's helpful for me sometimes to walk and pray. That if I sit near my computer and pray, then messages are there. There's all sorts of stuff that draws me into it. When I walk and pray, it's helpful. One of the things I do when I walk and pray is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's a wonderful prayer. Hallowed be your name. But I realize this week I've been, miss, I've been miss, uh, missing such a powerful part of this prayer. I thought that was independent of me. God just out there somewhere, glorify your name. Right? Somewhere out there in other people's lives, would you show that your name is holy? But I realized Jesus prayed a very similar prayer. He said, Father, glorify your name. And what he meant when he said, Father, glorify your name, was, I submit to your plan, obeying you before anything else. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is not an abstract out there request. It could be that too, right, about what happens elsewhere in the world. But at the core, it is saying, I want you to be glorified. And that means I will submit to your plan. I'll submit to your way. I'll obey you before anything else. Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant will be also. And he says, my plan is to glorify the Father, even at the cost of my life. And so this means this complete obedience. And, and this is part of what's expressed in our core value. Is to say, we want to express superbounding grace to everyone. And we want to call our people to complete obedience. right? Calling our people to complete obedience to Christ. And this is one moment and one day at a time. It's, it's in a sense, yeah, we make this decision, but even for Jesus, this was a decision that he made over and over again to say, yet again, I will do this. And I confess, again, so often, I say, well, that's a good activity for tomorrow. Today we'll do it my way. And sadly, then tomorrow, I say, and maybe we'll do it my way today too, but we'll get to your way, God. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll submit to your plan. I'll go your ways. And so here we have a picture of expectations again, right? And so sometimes, I think, and maybe you do too, we have new birth in Christ, and this ought to just be a, a, a beautiful growing slope to glory. And say, I ought to just keep getting better. Uh, we know it's going to have some ups and downs in it, but, but this is the right trajectory, right? It's going up. It still leads us there. And yet, Jesus said, if you want to serve me, you're going to have to follow me. And sometimes that following is really a death to self. 
It's really to say, I give up. I let go of things I want to hold on to. Right? And, and we have so many questions. We say, but, 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 really? This is so important to me. This is a dream I had. You want me to let go of that for you? And Jesus said, yes. Because to say, Father, glorify your name is to say, you are above all else. And so I'll follow you even in this. And the promise, Jesus said, where, my ser- where I am, my servants will be too, is that he says, we will be then with him in glory. As Jesus said, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Love and hate. These are strong words, right? What does this actually mean? And I think what it means at its simplest is what comes first. Is it God's glory or my life? Is it God's will or is it what I would prefer to have? Is it God's will or is it what I think is best? So here's the way I think about it. We, we have this comparison of, of loving our lives and hating our lives in this world. Loving our lives means we do what seems best for us and our people in this world. Right? I look at the situation and I say, I think this is best. Because this is what I see. Loving our lives is to hold on to our rights. To hold on to our desires, our preferences. To do what seems right to us rather than following God's ways. This is to love our lives. And I don't know about you, but it is so easy to see this happen in my life over and over again. And Jesus says this is a road to destruction. Whoever loves their life is going to lose it. To hate our lives in this world is, is not to, to somehow say I'm a terrible person and to beat ourselves up. It's to do this. It's to follow Jesus and his commands as an act of faith and worship. To say, you're God. You're You're good. You're all-knowing, you're right, you have all authority, so I'll follow what you say. As an act of faith, because I trust you, and as an act of worship, because I want your glory more than mine. And so that is this expression, Father, glorify your name. And Jesus says, this is the road to life. This is, if you will choose not to love your life in this world, but to, to, to love God, he says, this is the road to life. And this is how Jesus' kingdom grows. So to follow Jesus, I think this is each time we choose Jesus' path rather than our own. When we do that, we plant a seed. It's saying, okay, here's your path. Here's the path I want. Right now, I'd like to say something really mean to this person. Right? And I say, but, but you want me to bless them. Okay, I'll, I'll bless them by faith. And it's planting a seed. And he says, when you plant that seed, it's going to be fruitful. Right? Every time we make this decision to say, it's my way or his way, okay, I'll go his way. These seeds bear fruit. I say this is hard. <laughs> it's a hard journey. But as we do this, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that we'll discover we were made for this. We weren't made to, to give cutting remarks. We weren't made to be selfish. We weren't made... <laughs> to choose our way instead of God's. We were made to follow God's ways. It just takes a bit to realize it. And so it's a journey to say, how do I follow you and your way? And and I have to say that from my vantage point in this congregation, it is a joy and a sorrow to watch these decisions being made. Right? And I watch it in myself. I watch it among us. It is a joy to watch people say, here's the path I would like to take. And here's the path God calls me to. And it's hard, 
But I'll do it out of faith and to say God comes first. And it's a joy to see that. And as we know, we're all broken. It's also a sorrow to know the times when, when we say, no, I, I just, that just sounds too hard. And it's a sorrow to know that that happens. And it's real. And this is why each time we come to worship, we confess. We say, God, this week I have chosen my way, not yours. Far too many times. One would be too many, but the list goes on. And so we come to confess, to receive forgiveness. And that itself is choosing to glorify God's name. To confess what I've done is wrong. And I need your help. I need your forgiveness. That itself glorifies God's name. So here's an amazing thing in this passage. I think it's just amazing. Following Jesus is sometimes troubling. Because it was for Jesus. It was troubling for Jesus to glorify the Father. Not not because he didn't want to glorify the Father, but because it was giving up himself. And Jesus said, sacrifice hurts. Right now, I think it's so important to see this in context. Those weren't the kinds of heroes that people praised in those days. I, I don't know the literature, but people have written about this, that the best hero is somebody who just does the right thing without hesitation. They never, they never say, oh, this is hard and my heart's troubled. They just say, here's the right path and I do it boldly. No questions, no hesitation. But Jesus was troubled. And he was troubled because the cross is painful. That the, the, the judgment of God against what we have done is painful. This was costly. Sometimes it is costly to follow as he did. Jesus doesn't promise an easy, easy life. Right? Often it is so good, and I want to say that, so many blessings of following Jesus, but it's not always that way. Some people have to deal, even today, have to deal with persecution and really being harmed because of their faith naming the name of Jesus. And that's one way that it can be so hard. That's not my world. But but that's real. My world is much simpler. In my world, it's when I love people that I would rather treat as enemies. It's when I forgive people who hurt us. It's when we put others before ourselves, when we give up our pride, when, when we seek to grow in holiness when we give up our rights, when we give up being right, when we rejoice in trials. This is not easy. And often it feels really hard and painful. And notice Jesus didn't glorify difficulty and suffering, and he didn't downplay it. He didn't say, oh, just choose to do this and it'll be easy. We follow a Savior who suffered because of his obedience. Right? He suffered because in his obedience he took our sin on himself. He suffered in our place. And he said, this is hard. We follow a Savior who's already been down this path. And he took the worst of it. So he says, if you're going to be my servant, you need to follow. And yet, he promises that there is going to be a harvest, there's going to be a reward that is so great, so far more than any difficulty and suffering. Right? That the planting can be painful. But he says there is going to be a harvest that is just amazing. So just to, to look at these ideas, these two promises. Jesus promises he'll be with us. And here's such a helpful thing for me. Because you know what? To follow Jesus is in some people's lives far harder than I know. 
And I'll see people and it's just like, wow, for you to trust Jesus, to follow him, that is really hard. And I don't know the depths of the challenge of that. And so this statement really helps me. Is that those who need him more, know him more. That when people follow Jesus at such a high cost, he is present in a way that is not there for the people who walk in in relative ease. The statement that Paul says, my power, this is God speaking, my power is made perfect in weakness. For those who find following Jesus exceptionally hard, and we all do, yet some of us it seems like it's even a deeper struggle. Those who need Jesus more, know him more. That his power is made perfect in the midst of this. And this is the hope that I have to speak to people who carry burdens that I don't carry. I can't promise you. I, I can't understand it all. I can't promise you it'll be easy. But I do know this. His power will be made perfect there when you trust him. That's his promise. He'll be with us and we'll be with him forever. Right? In glory that will be so great that the trouble will be forgotten. Jesus said, that is out there. That is the promise. My servants will be with me. I'll be with them in the, in the struggle, in the trial, and they'll be with me in glory. And the reality is other paths, other paths promise an easier way to this. They promise an easier way to glory, to, to happiness, to relief, to pleasure. And it's so true, they all lie. Right? This was the temptation Jesus had in the beginning of his ministry. Satan came and said, I'll give you glory and you won't have to go through all that hard stuff. I'll give it to you right now. Just worship me instead of God. And it was a lie. I mean, you could give him a little bit, but it was always going to be bad because everything else will steal and kill and destroy. Yet so many other things promise an easier way to that goodness. In reality, only Jesus gives life. And that life is overflowing in its goodness even though sometimes it takes us through the struggle and the suffering of dying to self. But it's the path that Jesus took, and he opened the way for us, and he says, will you follow? And the question for us is, will we follow? Right? The, the Son of God's identity, his essence, is to glorify the Father above all else including his own life. This is what he did. And because Jesus followed the Father through death, he gives life to all who will trust him, to all who come to this point and and hesitate and say, I still love my life. And I confess, God, this is too hard. But I come and I say, I am sorry. Will you help me? And Jesus says, I will give you life when you will come and repent because of what he has done. And so the question is, will we trust him? And one way that we express this trust is that those who follow, those who follow Jesus, our work, our essence, our identity is to glorify the Father above all else, including our own lives. And this brings great fruit in Jesus. First question, will we trust him? The second question is, will we follow him? So we look at this picture of the the, the grain, the, the wheat being planted a simple question is, where can you plant a seed today by following Jesus in faith? Maybe it's a small step. Maybe it's a big one. For some of us, the small step is, is to say, you know what? I keep postponing obedience because it's going to be hard. And what we say today, you know what? I'll do that. 
For some of us, it's a big step to say, Jesus is God. And he actually does have authority over my life. And I prefer to have control of myself, but he's God. And so I'll submit to that. And so for some of us, this is a really big step. And yet it is a step to say, I will plant the seed today of faith. And Jesus said, while you have the light, follow the light. Because a day comes when that light, that opportunity is taken away. And this passage ended with, do you notice the phrase? Jesus left them and hid himself. For those who chose not to respond to the light, he left and hid himself. So I want to end today just with a time of silence and to pray, Father, glorify your name. And our hope is that we will do that in small steps. And then as we grow into the big step of saying this is a normal pattern of life that Jesus showed us and we're all called to follow him. Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I'll leave a time of silence for you to pray. Jesus, we praise you today because you chose to glorify the Father. You emptied yourself. You made yourself nothing to glorify him and to bring forgiveness to us. Father, I confess, we confess that our hearts are not so good as yours. We confess, Jesus, that we so often choose to go our own way. And yet what you have done is you've brought forgiveness by your complete obedience, by your glorifying the Father. You have opened the way for us to be loved children of our God. We thank you, we give you praise, and we ask that you would, by your Spirit, help us to follow you. Shape our hearts to long for the glory of our Father. Do your work in our hearts that with our head and our heart and our hands, we would love our Father, love Jesus, our Savior, more than anything else. And we ask that you would bring the fruitfulness that you promise. And thank you that those who follow you will be with you. So we give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen.